Good morning. The Lord be with you all. I welcome you this morning. I think I know everybody. I'm Ryan O'Dowd, the rector here, and David, our um, accomplished assistant, David Smith, is in the back. And um, we're glad to <laughs> we're glad to welcome you today in worship. We're in that winter season where obviously people are coming and going. So we'll pray for those who are not with us today. I do also um, recognize that some people may know that um, Argentina and France are playing right now in the World Cup, and if there are people in our church at home, we pray that God would show them the error in their ways, and um, they could make it for the Eucharist if they move along now and join us. Um, we are delighted that we're able to gather together in God's presence and to seek Him together to find our faith. Strengthened and renewed our friendship and our fellowship, we pray God would cause it to grow and flourish in our midst. As always, I, um, I remind you that when we begin our worship here at Bread of Life, we always take a moment of silence to, uh, to breathe deeply and to become fully aware of the Lord's desire to dwell with us, to indwell us and to refresh us. And our service, of course, always ends with the same moment of silence to take in what we've seen and heard before we go. So with that, I invite you uh, into a space of prayer, of solitude, for the Lord to draw near. We'll begin in just a moment. Light this candle in hope. We light this candle for peace. We light this candle in joy. We light this candle in love. 
God our Father, the angel Gabriel told the Virgin Mary she was to be the mother of the son, of your son. Though Mary was afraid, she responded to your call with joy. Help us whom you call to serve you, to share like her in your great work of begin, bringing to our world your love and healing. We ask this through Jesus Christ, the light who is coming into the world. Amen. together. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Let's join together in singing our processional hymn, Lift Up Your Heads, Ye Mighty Gates. Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, to you all, all hearts, hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear what the Lord Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
On these two laws depend all the commandments and the prophets. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. God, our Redeemer, who prepared the Blessed Virgin Mary to be the mother of your Son, grant that as she looked for his coming as our Savior, so we may be ready to greet him when he comes again as our Judge, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Children may be dismissed for children's worship. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. The word of the Lord. Would you please stand?
Our psalm for today is Psalm 24. It's found on page 4 of your white insert. We'll pray it responsibly by half verse. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the The world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the the King King of glory glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Salam. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. You can be seated. A reading from Romans, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Christ Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Would you stand for our gospel reading? Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he did not know her until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. seated. Lift up your heads, O gates, you ancient doors, lift them up, that the King of glory might come in. It's the fourth Sunday of Advent, Annunciation Sunday, a Sunday in which every year in the church calendar this Sunday we celebrate the announcement to the Holy Family, that they would welcome the Son of God into their midst. Like Paul says in that introduction to the letter to the Romans that was read a second ago, he was, according to the flesh, the Son of David, but according to the Spirit of holiness, the Son of God in power. This breaking into the world of God's own Son is what we're about today. We're on a three-year cycle with our lectionary. We read through the scriptures every three years. In two of those three years, we get the Annunciation to Mary. The angel Gabriel coming to Mary and saying, um, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. And you hear even in our prayers today about the Annunciation to Mary. But our gospel reading today is about the Annunciation to Joseph, her husband. Mary's not even in the scene. She's mentioned, but she's not there. It's a conversation between God through his angel and Joseph. So we'll look at that today. But we have to start with Isaiah. There's probably no more iconic verse for the season of Advent or the coming of Christmas in the Old Testament than Isaiah 7.14. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. I want to just reflect with you for a moment on the ancient context of this. So think back to the 8th century B.C. You know to the Syro-Ephraimite War. You know about this, right? Okay. Ahaz is king, at this point in Israel's broken history, the kingdom of Israel is divided into two kingdoms. The kingdom of Judah in the south, the kingdom of Israel in the north, and they're at war with each other, but there's a third king, the king of Syria, who's going to team up with the king of Israel in the north against the people in Judah in the south, where Isaiah the prophet is in our reading. And King Ahaz, as you might imagine, realizes it's two to one, and it's not a good situation. The prophet comes to him and says, don't worry, I'm with you, God is with you. And Ahaz says, yeah, thank you for that, I'm going to call the Assyrian king. We're going to get king number four involved in this, and we're going to have, and I'm going to work this out with human strength. And it doesn't go well. The reading from Isaiah 7 that Amy read for us, I hope you hear in there a tone of judgment that's present. It's there. I'm calling the king of Assyria. You called him. He's coming. And you know what he's going to do to your land? He's going to subjugate it. You'll become a vassal state of the Assyrian empire. And the timing of this is happening quickly. There's a young woman who's going to become pregnant and have a child, and by the time that child is old enough to even understand right and wrong, a few years old, who knows exactly how old that is, for some children it seems like it takes quite a long time, um, and that they'll eat curds and honey, subsistence living. It's not, actually a picture, it's not actually a picture of luxury, it's a picture of subsistence living. Barely making it. God will be with his people, but he's going to be with them in their weakness. That seems to be the mode of knowing Emmanuel, God with us. You might be able to see the connection at this point with Jesus' incarnation. It is not something that comes with great glory. To look at this passage in Matthew, I think requires us to recognize, or I want to at least admit to you or, or say a word about the fact, that for a couple generations, Matthew, the first evangelist, has been poked fun at 
often in university classrooms, um, as a proof-texting gospel writer, as taking passages from the Old Testament out of their context and making them mean something entirely different that they didn't really mean. Sort of like the person who predicts the end of the world because they've read the uh, book of Daniel, and they can tell you when it's going to happen. Just so you know, they've always been wrong every time. Matthew says, look, the virgin will conceive and bear a son. And he's talking somehow about Jesus, Matthew is saying about Isaiah. Matthew's not dumb. Matthew knows the story of Israel. And as I hope to draw out in a second. Early Christians understood that God had a long backstory with the people of Israel. A long story that he was continuing to work in. But something happens when the Lord Jesus Christ rises from the dead. The lights come on. And the apostles begin to understand. Wait a minute. These scriptures were not just telling a story about a people. They were telling a story about a person who comes as the fulfillment of the hopes of that people. Matthew's interpretation of Isaiah 7, 14 is helped by an intermediate translation of the Hebrew scriptures into Greek. You might know this, some of you. You're a nerdy bunch. Um, the Hebrew word for young woman or virgin, I think our ESV that we used has virgin. The Hebrew word can mean just young woman. It doesn't have to specify virginity. The Greek word in the translation there, parthenos, almost always means a virgin, although it can sometimes mean a young woman. There's ambiguity in life. But Matthew's seizing on the fact that Mary is a virgin. The text makes it clear. She, she had not, they had not come together. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Matthew actually even connects his account, the narration of the angel's speech to Joseph, very closely verbally with what's there in Isaiah. Um, it's hard to bring out into English, but it's basically that she in her stomach has something. That's the where it goes. In Gastri Akusa. Like, and you will call his name. It's a close correspondence. Matthew is scripting the story of Jesus according to its meaning, the interpretation of Isaiah. Matthew actually does this a number of times, and as we have begun a new church calendar year, we'll find that we're in the Gospel of Matthew more and more. So we'll hear a number of these fulfillment citations. Matthew has 10 of them. This took place to fulfill what was written through the prophet. More than any other Gospel writer, Matthew explicitly draws attention to how Jesus is the fulfillment of the scriptures of Israel. But sometimes it's in surprising ways. It's actually interesting that this whole passage starts off, I think our translation says, the birth of Jesus Christ took place like this. But in the Greek it says, the genesis of Jesus Christ begins this way. It's actually how the um, book itself begins before the generation. The genesis, the beginning, it's that Greek word that's the first book of the Old Testament. This whole story about what happens with Jesus is recapitulating and bringing to its fulfillment the story of God's work in the past through the people of Israel. This might be why Matthew focuses on Joseph, a major character in the book of Genesis, the grandson of Abraham. I'm sorry, the great-grandson. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. You don't want to get that wrong on the recording. Let's look at Joseph here for a second. He's like a regular guy. He's engaged. You know, you might know this. In the ancient world, the engagements were a little more formal than they are here. There's actually like a marriage contract, which is why Joseph could publicly, could, which is why we'll see he has some options about what he could do rather than just informally breaking the engagement. So Joseph is engaged to Mary. And then Mary is found to be pregnant. And Joseph... I mean, Mary's in a pickle, but Joseph is also in a pickle. Matthew tells us he's a righteous man. He didn't want to disgrace her, and so he resolves to divorce her quietly. Each of these statements actually tells us something significant. Joseph is a righteous man, and when he finds out that the woman he's supposed to marry, to whom he is under contract to be betrothed, is pregnant, you know, maybe he's heard the account from, some, from Mary, oh, this was from the Holy Spirit. And he's a righteous man, but he's not a dummy. And so he resolves to divorce her quietly. He's righteous because he doesn't want to marry someone who has done this, who's been unfaithful already. But he doesn't want to disgrace her. 
It would be an incredibly possible and public thing to make a big deal about this. And he doesn't want to. Because he's a good man. And so he wants to divorce her quietly. And this divorcing quietly means writing a script of divorce that allows her to remarry. It's actually a mode of protection for her future. It's like not a good situation for him now, but he's going to try to, or for Mary, but he wants to make a way for her down the road. He's a good man. But something happens. It turns out that our Joseph is a dreamer, like the biblical Joseph beforehand in Genesis. Joseph has a dream, and the angel speaks to him in a dream. He's going to have three other dreams, actually, in this first couple chapters of Matthew. And like that Joseph of Genesis, he is going to go down to Egypt. Matthew's weaving all of this in together. Matthew's going to actually have a, a, a citation later. Out of Egypt I called my son, from Hosea. He brings Jesus out of Egypt, just like Israel. But Joseph has this dream. And the angel speaks to him. Joseph, son of David. Son of David. You might remember that God had promised to David, the king who is a failure in many ways, but also a king after God's heart, that he would have a descendant upon his throne. That God would be faithful to David. I will not lie to David, he says. I will put a king on your throne and he will reign forever. Whatever that means. Joseph, son of David. Joseph is a carpenter, Matthew tells us. It doesn't mean that he's like the lowest class of person. He's an artisan. But he's somebody who works with his hands. He's a regular guy living in Galilee in the north, up in the hill countries. He's not in a major city. But something happens to him. And God calls him to do something that is counterintuitive and difficult. And involves him in receiving a great amount of shame. There's no way around this. If he marries Mary, he has two options, essentially. He doesn't have to proclaim either of these, but one or both of them is, one of them is implied. Either that the child in her womb is his own, and that he is therefore not the righteous man that he is, um, is thought to be by the community. Or it's somebody else's, which is even worse, and he's going to marry her anyway. You know that there are situations where you cannot protect your reputation entirely. And you just have to live with what happens. Joseph, this is interesting. This struck me this week. One of the good things about getting to preach sometimes is this text surprises you. Joseph is like the prophet Hosea, who God comes to and says, you know what? The land commits iniquity against the Lord. The land commits whoredom, adultery. So why don't you go take a wife of adultery and you can be a symbol of what it's like to be me. A God married to a people that is unfaithful. Now this is not exactly what Joseph is asked to do, but it is like it. Joseph is asked to live out a calling in which he symbolizes God's bringing the Son of God into the world in a state of shame. He responds to what God is doing here. He accepts the call. And he becomes a picture of a father who makes space for a vulnerable woman and a vulnerable child. My son, Ari Benedict, I like to do that sometimes in the sermon. My son, Ari Benedict, has a wood carving, a little small olive wood carving of the Holy Family, of Joseph and Mary and Jesus. And I don't know where it is. I might have brought it if I could find it in here. But you know how it's like. Sometimes you just can't find something in your house. And what I love about this carving, there's lots, of, there's lots of pictures of the family, and Joseph is, I think, appropriately on the side. But this is one of these few where he's actually the, the biggest in the picture. And he's in this posture of protection. And under, under one arm is Mary, and she's holding the infant Jesus. And Joseph is standing as this protector over them. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful image of what accepting shame on behalf of somebody else could bring. And at the center of this carving, at the center of the picture, at the center of this prophecy that we're reading about today is Jesus, Emmanuel, that word that means God with us. And this is 
important. Matthew actually interprets it for us. It means God with us. Because this is the gospel. The gospel is not just that God wants to forgive your sins, that he wants to wipe away your past. That is true, and you and I both need it. The gospel is not just that you can have a great life now. The gospel is that whatever happens to you, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, through his incarnation, is with us. You are not alone. That he became what we are so that we might share in his life now and forever. So the promise of this first Emmanuel, that God would be with his people Israel as they were under vassal lordship, as they were in subsistence living, a shameful situation. The promise of this first Emmanuel is made good by this second Emmanuel, who comes in a situation of shame. He will save his people from their sins, their failed trust, their failed allegiance. This is what Joseph signs up to make possible. He could, have t- he could have turned away. It's his choice that drives the narrative forward. And God's in charge of the narrative, but Joseph's choice is here. So the angel says to him, do not be afraid. Isn't that the situation? There's a call that is hard. For many reasons, doubt, uncertainty. Really, is this really the angel? I can't tell if it's really the angel. Do not be afraid, he says, to take Mary and her son. It's an admission that the idea that God would be with us, that we're going to live in such a way that trusts that God is with us, is a scary thing. Do not be afraid. This is the call to us. Do not be afraid to take Mary and her son in the full confidence of God's plan. This is the call, we were having a conversation, one of us, uh, a couple of us the other night. Um, this is the call to those who are not part of the church. This is the part of the church's evangelistic call. Do not be afraid to take on the shame of the cross. It's a life-giving scandal. It is good news. It is bizarre good news. But I bear witness, it is good news. And this is the call to us who are within the church. Don't be afraid to conform your life to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid to take this God with us in the strange form that he comes into yourself. In doing this, you follow in the footsteps of Joseph and of the saints whose lives have been transformed through the obedience of faith to hold forth to the world the truth that God is with us. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I invite you to stand together, continue with our service on page three, the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is visible and invisible. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. He made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, 
who with the Father and the Son worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. May be seated for our prayers. As we pray together this morning, the prayer will be in segments, and after each segment there will be a time for your silent prayer, after which I will say, Lord, in your mercy, and I invite you to respond with, hear our prayer. And during one of those segments near the end, I will invite you to offer prayers out loud. We come together before the Lord in this season of waiting, of remembering how God came to be with us in our human form. We're waiting for Emmanuel. Let us pray together. Lord, we wait, we long for peace in all nations, even when, as now, international tensions and the threat of violence seem so high. Inspire us and others to procure and provide aid to those in Myanmar, in Ethiopia, Eritrea, Sudan, Ukraine, and in places unknown to us. Lord, in your mercy. Our Father, move in the hearts of those in authority, here and in all countries, that they will love justice, establish equity, promote righteousness, and speak the truth. We ask this especially for new leaders who will take office in January, including Brandon Williams, who has worshiped with us, and all others at city, state, and national levels in the United States. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, we praise you for the earth and the fullness thereof, the seas and the rivers and the hills. Give us reverence and respect for your creation including its plants and animals, that we may care for it wisely and have humility before its power. Give wisdom and courage to the diplomats from all nations who are concluding negotiations in Montreal this weekend about how to better protect your creation. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Lord, you created all people in your image. Give us respect, love, and honor for all we encounter, and help us to seek to understand the experience of others and promote the flourishing of all people around us. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Strengthen our bishop, Steve Breedlove, our pastors, Ryan and David, and their families, and all the leaders of churches in this area. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Merciful Lord, comfort and heal all who are in sorrow need, sickness, shame, incarceration, or any other trouble. For those who are single and wish not to be, for those struggling to be good spouses and good parents, for those in broken relationships, facing a holiday period that may bring pain as well as joy, for those suffering addiction, we pray for all those we know who are in need, praying either in silence or now out loud.
God, we pray for uh, Martha and Tony and Abigail for rhythms in home that would bring rest, that there would be joy at this young life. Um, bless their families. They help care for them and, and um, return to um, healing and rest and um, good rhythms in life. We bring these petitions before you, trusting in your love and mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Help us, Lord, to have clean hands and a pure heart. Be righteous in your sight and receive your blessings. Amen. As we come to our time of confession, I invite you to remain seated or to kneel. Brothers and sisters, let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor, beginning with a time of silent personal confession. Most merciful God, we confess that, that we, we have sinned, sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Stand now and receive the Lord's forgiveness. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who in His great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those who sincerely repent and with true faith turn to Him, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the word of God to all who truly turn to him. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now the peace of the Lord be with you all.
As you make your way to your seats again, we have a time for announcements. So please, if you have an announcement, we just ask that you use the microphone in the front left and introduce yourself as you begin. Hello, everyone. Uh, some people gave me grief for my announcement last week, so I'll try and, I'll try and uh, shift the tone a little bit. So my name is Joe. I am a graduate student at Cornell. I'm also a proud resident of the Chesterton House, which some of you may have heard of. Um, it's, a, it's a community of uh, Christian students, undergrads and grads at Cornell. And uh, we've reached the time of year where all the undergrads have now gone home. You can kind of tell because this row is empty. And so uh, the house is very empty and quiet. And at Chesterton House, we have this tradition of every, every Sunday, we have Sunday night dinner. And so even though during the week people are out and about and at classes, on, on Sundays, everyone's together and the, and the house is very uh, alive and vibrant. And that's not going to be the case uh, tonight because everyone's gone. So I thought, well, why don't we just bring other people over to the house and we, it can become uh, alive and vibrant again. So tonight at 6.30, there's going to be uh, a lot of people coming over to sing uh, Christmas carols. And you are all invited. If you have an instrument that you play, feel free, free to bring it. Uh, 6.30 at the Chesterton House. The address is 115 The Knoll Road in Ithaca. 115 The Knoll Road. Thank you. I do love watching Joe try to redeem himself from last week. Well done, friend. Um, I think I know uh, all of you, but I'm Tasha Smith. I'm married to David. Um, so if you are somebody who does not travel somewhere to celebrate Christmas and you want uh, a table to sit at with other people while you feast, you're welcome to mine and David's table, although we have not yet connected about the timing for that. So watch your email, <laughs> um, but you're welcome. And um, the second thing, because we're rounding the corner through December, looking ahead to um, second Saturday in January, I just wanted to say a big thanks. Y'all, we've done second Saturday for five months in a row, five consecutive months. Yeah. And um, I, I couldn't come to this, to our previous second Saturday in December, but David counted Bread of Life folks, 14, 14 of y'all. Y'all, that's 20% of our like average Sunday attendance. That's like, I'm, I'm just amazed. I'm just amazed at you. And, and the most, like the busiest month of the year and you still show up to love on incarcerated teens. Like I'm just so proud. Um, so thank you for that. And I wanna put on your calendar, on your radar, the second Saturday in January is the 14th. And we will be um, serving, helping to prep and serve a hot meal to our unsheltered neighbors at the Salvation Army. Uh, so be looking for more information on that. So again, to recap, watch your email if you want to come to our house for Christmas. Second Saturday is January 14th. Thanks. Morning, everyone. I'm Paul Friesen. Um, just want to say thank you. Uh, I'm father to Fena and Rosie wife Brett over here. We're relatively new to the area. Um, we had a, a couple, a little bit of a dicey few weeks um, with, we all got COVID over Thanksgiving and had to take uh, Fena to the ER with an infection um, while we were back in Michigan seeing family. And then came back here and was, were overwhelmed with uh, meals and, and prayers from, from you all. And not just quantity of meals, but really quality of meal. I sit down and say like, now this is, you know, somebody spent some time to uh, put some love into this. So thank you so much. We feel um, really welcome back uh, to Ithaca after our little adventure. And we'll be going back uh, for Christmas. So uh, wish us luck. So thanks. Joe, if we could talk afterwards about your announcement, it would be good. Thanks. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I just want to draw your attention to a, a couple other announcements. There's a, there's a rival musical event this evening. Um, Jessica is giving, um, along with faculty at Opus Ithaca, a, uh, a concert. You see that first, all the information is on the first bullet point on page 12 on your announcements. But I just wanted to draw your attention to that too. Um, 
it's not just unhoused neighbors who would go to the Salvation Army for a meal. Yeah. So come to the Salvation Army for a meal. Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, I'm correcting other announcements today. Um, now, I just want to say um, welcome to you if you're visiting. We're incredibly glad um, that you're here. Uh, we're, we, we make it an aim, Ryan and I do, uh, to, to connect with uh, folks who are new, but it's sometimes awkward and sometimes, you know, like the end of service is busy. Um, so anyway, we'd love to connect with you in person. Um, there's a couple other ways to get connected to Bread of Life if you would like to be. Um, if you're technologically inclined, on page 12 there's a QR code that you can scan and put your information in on a form to get on our weekly email list and also to communicate anything else that you might wish to communicate uh, with the leadership of the church. There's also the old school manual sign up clipboard on the back table. Um, and uh, I just wanna, if, if, I, if I can not embarrass you too much, Chuck, I'm just so grateful when you uh, come and grace us with your presence. Pastor Chuck Tompkins, who's a longtime pastor and um, steward of the kingdom of God in this town. So thank you for being with us, Chuck. And I might just add, I've mentioned this before, it's in our emails and announcements next Saturday uh, at 4.30 p.m. here. We'll have a Eucharist service and uh, New Life Presbyterian Church and maybe a few other people will be joining us. And I think all of our numbers will be a little low. It'll be good to be joined by another church. So if you're thinking ahead and you show up on Saturday, it'd be a good Sunday to move in and forward and just make lots of space for people who aren't accustomed to worshiping in this room because um, they'll want to look for seats and, and know they have enough chairs. And so be early and we will celebrate together. It will be a Christmas service. So it's Christmas Eve evening, but um, in, the, in the history of the church, you can celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve. So that's what we will do. Um, together at that time. So hope to see those of you who are here, those who are not, we pray for safe travels. Now I invite you to stand together. And I might call your attention, I, I often used to get, or I used to get comments when I um, pointed out things in the liturgy that were helpful to people, and um, I should do that more often. But we're entering this season now that begins, or this part of the worship service, where we begin with recognizing the great gift of Jesus to us in our lives. And we do so by giving God back bread and wine, symbols of our life and work, and then he gives them back to us again in a meal that shares the sun with us. And there's this cycle of giving that we're entering into right now with the Lord as he blesses us. So I encourage you to welcome him with your own generosity. As we prepare to come to the Lord's table, let us present our gifts to God. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. All things come from you, and of your own we give to you. Join in singing our offertory hymn, Come Light Our Hearts.
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is indeed right and good to give you thanks and praise, Almighty God and everlasting Father, through Jesus Christ, your Son. He is the one foretold by all the prophets, whom the Virgin Mother bore with love beyond all telling. John the Baptist was his herald and made him known when he at last came. In his love, Christ fills us with joy as we prepare to celebrate his birth, so that when he comes again, he may find us watching in prayer, our hearts filled with wonder and praise. And so with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your glory and join in their unending hymn of praise. be to you, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for in your infinite love you made us for yourself, crowning us with glory and honor to rule over the works of your hands. Yet we did not give thanks to you or honor you as God, but turned away. Falling into sin, we and all your works became subject to misery and death. But you in your tender mercy sent Jesus Christ, your only and eternal Son, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile all things in heaven and on earth to you. He stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself there in obedience to your will, a perfect sacrifice for the whole world once and for all, making atonement for our sins. By your mighty power, you raised him from death and crowned him with great honor at your right hand on high. Hear us, merciful Father, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, grant that we who eat this bread and drink this wine in accordance with our Lord's command in remembrance of his death and passion may be partakers of his most blessed body and blood. On the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and when he had given thanks to you, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this whenever you eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. 
This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. We celebrate this covenant with joy and await the glorious appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who will unite all things in heaven and on earth, raising us from death and making all things new. By him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor are yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now, as our Savior taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine